Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Aaron Martinez. Aaron is the partner of Remote Closing Academy, where they teach coaches and consultants the skills necessary to become a high-ticket closer. Having produced over $250,000 per month in revenue consistently, Aaron knows a thing or two about closing. He started his online journey back in 2013 in his childhood bedroom, uploading YouTube videos about video games, and that actually has a impact on what he does today. He found his passion for content creation and being in front of the camera. Today, Aaron and I are going to be chatting about how you can level up your sales game through developing skills that take you to being a killer closer. We'll learn what works, what should be avoided, and how some businesses just miss the mark. Aaron, so happy to have you here. Welcome. It's Thank you so much you. for, uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to to dive into some of the things. I think sales, uh, you know, we, we talk about this in a lot of episodes. Uh, we usually gets a little bit of a bad like rep, right? In like the negative space of like people don't like sales. So I, I like to kind of open people's minds a little bit about that, but thank you for having me on. Of course. And what I always like starting off with is how did you get here today? Do you, do you want the long version or the short version? <laughs> you. Yeah, I'll, I can. I'll, I have a condensed version of it. So, a uh, long story short, I uh, kind of like you. You mentioned great intro, by the way. Um, I started on YouTube when I was like 11. I was uploading videos. I'm 27 now, so it's been a long time. Thousands of videos recorded, and uh, you know, I, I just really just started with the passion of creating content. Um, from there, it translated into about 2015, 2016. I started to see after creating like probably 18 or 19 different YouTube channels and trying a bunch of different content, uh, I actually found this interesting niche at the time, uh, which was Snapchat. Snapchat was really big at the time. So you'll see a bunch of Snapchat stuff all over the place. Um, and I built a YouTube channel just teaching people how to use Snapchat. Um, from there, you know, I was able to partner with a lot of really cool brands. I, I helped uh, Coke, Disney, NASDAQ uh, actually helped Disney like launch their Snapchat account, um, did stuff with Zillow, a lot of really cool brand deals. Um, but for for me, I was very naive, naive at the time. I think it was like 18, 19. And uh, Snapchat overnight literally like died. Like they, they did a couple of like updates that that made it really hard for anyone to really use it. So uh, I had to kind of pivot there. Um, that's when I started to use my video knowledge, we'll say, to jump into more, getting back more YouTube stuff. Um, and that's when I stumbled upon a couple of videos about how to make money online. And, you know, as, as it usually goes with that type of stuff, you know, you start doing a bunch of research and buying courses and stuff like that. I started one of my first businesses, which was a digital marketing agency, uh, basically running ads for, uh, you know, local advertisements for just local businesses. And uh, did that for you know, up into probably 2019, uh, and, you know, pr relatively successful, got brought on a couple hundred clients and did well there. But, uh, for me through the, through the whole process of starting my first business to then the, the kind of exit in 2019, uh, you know, got married, had three kids. So the amount of time that it was to do all that stuff, it became a little bit too much. And, uh, you know, I was, I was starting to miss like important moments in, in my kid's life. So I was like, you know what, like I need to take a step back and do something a little different. And it, it all kind of worked out. A buddy of mine, Cole, who's actually a business partner now, uh, reached out that he said, you know, we're, we're helping a lot of businesses, you know, get better at sales and marketing and video. I think you'd be a perfect fit. 
And uh, since 2020, that's kind of been the uh, the the gig, we'll say. So now we, my my main role is uh, creating content and helping uh, other just everyday people get better at sales and place them into some of these higher ticket uh, sales roles. So that's a condensed version. Uh, hopefully that wasn't too much. <laughs> no, that's not too much at all. And that's great. And I think, you know, what, before the call, you and I were chatting a little bit about, you know, and you've dropped this a couple of times, like, oh, people are kind of resistant to sales. Oh, people are, to me, sales and marketing go hand in hand, like companies who have a sales department and a marketing department without at least having a bridge of someone in between going back and forth or missing out. It's, if you're selling, you're marketing. If you're marketing, you're selling. There's really mm-hmm. no difference in it um, unless you want to go down and be like, well, the marketers are actually creating the content. Yeah. <laughs> the sales team is, you know, finding the people to have the conversation with. Fine. Those are different bodies on the same team doing the exact same overall effort and initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the fact that you guys are so gung-ho. And I think that, you know, you're teaching something that people are not innately necessarily good at. People don't come to the table being like, I am the best salesperson in the world. I can hear what silently is being said, even when it's not being said at all. I'm someone who's proactive and I get solutions out to my potential client before they even know there's a problem. All those things actually take years of learning if they're even learned. So that's great that you guys dive in and, and do that. Yeah, I think a, a huge uh, part that I, you know, it, oh, we talk about like kind of the negative parts of it, but I think as soon as, um, you know, I make the example all the time of, you know, no matter what you're doing, like you don't even have to be a salesperson, but you're still selling, right? You're still selling uh, ideas. You're selling, uh, you know, if you want, like if I need, if I want to go to, you know, get like pizza tonight for dinner, right? I have to sell my wife on the idea of like, hey, like let's uh, maybe not follow the diet so much to, to today. You know what I mean? So it's like, no matter what you're doing and even, you know, my, my little, like little ones, they're three, you know, four, three, and two. And they're always trying to sell me on, can we go to the park? Can we watch this show? Can I have this snack? Can we have this for dinner? So it, it's like innately when we're born, we're always trying to do that thing. So my, my biggest, like, uh, you know, if anyone that's listening to this and they're like, you know, oh, I, I just don't know, like if I can get into sales, um, as soon as you you transition the mindset and understanding that, okay, if you have a product that is actually like helping somebody, then it, it's almost selfish to not sell to them, right? Because if you have like, you know, to make a dramatic example, if you have like a, a serum to some sort of disease, right? It's like, of course, you're going to scream it from the rooftops because, you know, you can save people's lives, right? So if you can do kind of the same idea with with the product that you're selling, um, I think it becomes way easier to to wake up every single day and, and be excited to to get that in front of people. So when you're working with someone, where do you start? How do you get them onto the road of being a better salesperson? So are we talking like businesses or like just an everyday person that has no idea about sales? let's say a business since we're, we're talking about companies here who are yeah. trying to figure this out. Yeah. So with businesses, a lot of times it's just going to start and figuring uh, I'll, I'll just break it down of like what we do to help businesses is we will just figure out what they're currently doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So figure out their current marketing systems, figure out how they're currently getting leads, figuring out their current sales process. Right. Cause most businesses will have a, somewhat of an idea of, of a process, right. Whether it's just, you know, a lead comes in and they have a conversation or all the way down to, you know, lead comes in, we have automation that goes out to engage them in X, Y, and Z. And then we have a disqualifying call and whatever it is. So we just, number one, is we figure out like what that overall system is. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing that we do is we just audit their uh, their sales calls. So we just listen and see, um, you know, what are they saying? What are they not saying? What are the questions they should be asking? Um, so we'll, we'll audit that. And I'd say 80% of the people that that we work with where their biggest mistakes lie is just not even asking for the sale towards the end of the call is they they almost take it as this like approach of they they almost they get on the call assuming that the person's going to want to move forward with them and then anytime some sort of objection comes up at the end they don't really even challenge it or they might even they might not have the tools to know exactly how to to challenge that in the right way yep um so honestly that's that's probably the 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 number one place that we start and then really everything from figuring out what they're currently doing and then it, it basically injecting our scripts and and frameworks for them um, from that point, it's just call reviews. It's listening to the calls, seeing what can be improved. And that's uh, that's usually the, the starting point for a lot of the, the sales teams. And so you start there. And so you're meeting and you're going through this. What then? How do you get them over the bridge of what they actually need to be doing and how they need to be listening and how they need to be approaching? Yeah. Yeah. I think a, a huge part of it is just having having the right frameworks and, and knowing what to do. Because it's it's pretty interesting to see how, especially like most of the clients that we come in and, and we know they're a good fit, they have a good, you know, product market fit and, and they have an actual audience for the thing. It's 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 pretty cool to see, I wouldn't say how easy it is to get them to start selling more, but it's pretty simple, right? Because a lot of times it's just because they're not saying the right things or doing it in the right way. So, you know, once we identify, like we said before, like identify what those like key sticking points are, whether they're not asking for the sale, maybe they don't have the right framework, maybe they don't have, um, you know, they're not positioning their offer in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but because after we get those little things done from like, we'll say like zero to a hundred grand a month is literally just figuring out that process. And then from there, what it leads to is, okay, now we have like an actual proof of concept. Now we have calls that you're closing. You've you know sold this a couple dozen times. Then at that point is when we start to recruit, help them recruit salespeople. And they just literally just like duplicate themselves. So we've seen people be able to go from, you know, zero to a hundred thousand a month in, you know, in, in, let's say six months. And then from like that to like 500 grand a month could literally just be in a couple of months. Cause all you do is you just duplicate yourself. Right. And is that when you're talking about those numbers and the types of businesses that you're working with, are these lower ticket items, higher ticket items? Is there a sweet spot with those prices for that zero to a hundred, that 500,000 plus? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's across the board. I, we work with mostly high ticket, like we call it high ticket businesses. So this is usually coaches, consultants, agency owners, service providers that uh, range minimum, I'd say. 3000 a month is, uh, or I'm sorry, $3,000 package. So we work with everyone across the board from like make money online offers to health offers to, uh, you know, spirituality offers to, uh, you talked about feng shui a little bit ago. Like we have a couple of people that we work in that space too. Um, but we, we classify as long as their program or whatever they're selling is $3,000. That's, that's high ticket. But you know, some people, uh, we, one of our clients, Tony Robbins, um, he, he has, uh, you know, one of his, uh, I think it's called business mastery. That's like a $75,000 offer. So it, it kind of just depends. That know, has gone up. Cause I did business mastery actually with really? friends and I bought it as part of a add on after buying onto everything else. And that was, you know, the penultimate example of the type of coaching and sales that you're talking about here, uh-huh. yeah. um, but it is a really good program out. And if he's still doing it in Fiji, it was very, very cool at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to double check. We just did um because we 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 help them with their like the sales team, but then we also do like some of their video stuff. So I was I right before this call, I was finishing up one of the edits. Um, 
And yeah, it was, I, I don't think we put the price point in there, but um, it looked like from the, from the marketing material they gave us, I think it's, it's still in the same spot. Yeah. Yeah. And so, all right. So whether it's $3,000, whether it's 75,000, whether it's even higher than that, the approaches that you're training are exactly the same. It's not a different way of approaching. It's not that you're having a lemonade stand is selling differently than, you know, the lemonade jug, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the approach is, is, I think the one thing that we do a little bit different and like, it, it, this isn't like a it's not revolutionary. A lot of the the scripts and the frameworks that we have built are, you know, we didn't like originally create them. They're kind of adapted from uh, what, you know, my business partner's name's Cole. Um, he He's not the founder of remote closing, but kind of doing it in the way that he does more like consultative selling. Um, so I think a lot of people, when they hear the word sales are probably familiar with names like, you know, Jordan Belfort or, you know, Grant Cardone or kind of like the really, uh, you know, the cold calling, like hard, like boiler room type salespeople. The way that we do it is uh, we call it consultative selling. So it's more of the approach is figuring out like our biggest thing on each sales call we're trying to do is figure out um, really four. Well, there's more than four, but the main things that I'm always thinking of is where's this person now? Where do they want to be? What's holding them back? Um, and what are they currently doing to get there? And then like the motivations behind actually getting from point A to point B. And with those pieces of information, because we're doing it from a standpoint of, hey, you aren't you're here you aren't where you want to go we have the solution to help you to get there and that approach for every single industry every single niche every single price point is ex exactly the same now the motivations for the person might be a little bit different right because someone that's you know let's say they are you know we call it like right pocket versus left pocket people so it's you know ones that are more motivated by like getting out of you know a nine to five versus someone that's doing hundred million a year that wants to get to, you know, 500 million a year, you know, that, that, that the conversation is very different and, and the motivations behind each is, is different. That's really the only thing that changes. And so if that's the only thing that changes, are there other things that change as far as the approach? Are there, are there certain things that people do that never change that are the same way that they continuously mess this whole process up? You're saying for, for like salespeople? Honestly, not really. I think because because everyone's always going to have their their where they are, right? Everyone's going to always have where they want to be, whatever their goals are. Um, you know, whatever's holding them back is is you know for the for I wouldn't call it like lower ticket, but you know, someone that's in that uh, I wouldn't even use desperation, but more of just like you know getting out of their current situation, right? That a lot of what's going to motivate them is going to be not being in that spot. Right. And someone else that's a little bit on the higher level is like they're a lot of times their uh their motivation is like wanting to be the best, right? Be at other competition. So I think where if we're talking about salespeople making the mistake, uh, especially like newer salespeople and ones that don't really understand this, is they they almost make it like the conversation about themselves and even talking about what we talked about, where are you now? Where do you want to be? What's holding you back? You know, what, uh, what are the motivations behind that? Um, a lot of times people will, will ask those things, right? If they use our scripts, they'll ask those things, but they, number one, aren't like, I think you mentioned it a second ago, they aren't like actively listening to what the answers are and then bringing the information back up towards the end of the conversation, right? A lot of people, right. I think it's uh, probably Grant Cardone, uh, some sales book, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, whatever. Um, one of the quotes is, you know, people always make decisions uh, uh, based on logic, or I'm sorry, based on emotion and justify with logic. So a lot of times salespeople will try to just, or they'll try to justify, uh, or I'm sorry, they'll try to make the sale based on logic, right? They'll say, oh, well, if you move forward with us, you're going to make 
this amount of money or you're going to do this or you're going to do that as opposed to where it needs to be is like, hey, you know, you told me at the beginning of the call that you're currently, you know, you're at a nine to five, you don't love it there, but you're also trying to, you know, create a better life for yourself, create a better life for your family. Is that something that you actually want to do and like actively get out of? Or are you comfortable in being in the spot where you are, right? So the, the sale is around more of the emotion and the things that they told you, as opposed to saying like, you can make this amount of money. Because a lot of times for for that type of, you know, prospect, they don't really understand that that's even possible. Um, so I think that's a, that's a mistake that you know, some people, some people will make. Are there other mistakes that people typically make as well? See, actively listening. Um, we talked about that. We talked about not, um, you know, not necessarily asking for the sale. Nothing that I can think of top of the mind. I think as you, as there's, you know, more complexity in like the sales team, I think that could be another big thing. So that's not necessarily on like the salesperson. It could be more on, you know, let's say like the sales team leader where they might not like be reviewing enough calls or they might not be giving the right feedback. Um, I guess one other thing that I would say is, is just not being able to, like not really being coachable is a, is a pretty big mistake. And not even, I would say actively implementing the coaching, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. So it's yeah. one thing for me to listen to a, a sales call, right. And give, give feedback, but it's another thing for them to like actually take the feedback and implement. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of people, it takes them, I'm even, I'll even tell my own story when I was first getting into sales back in like 20, like 16, 2017, my mentor, I remember sending him like probably 30 calls and he listened to every single one of them. And he's like, you made this mistake. You made this mistake. You made this mistake. And like, I did it over and over and over again. And finally, on like my 32nd call, or I don't know exactly what number it was, uh, I finally like it kind of it snapped in my head. And I was like, oh, like I have to say it in this way and I have to ask this question. And then like from there, it like all snapped. I'm like, okay, now I can like repeat this process. Uh, so I think, yeah, being coachable and actually implementing feedback is is another another huge thing. Yeah. And I like what you said a moment ago about really what people have to learn is that there's a pain point that your potential customer has, and you need to actually be drilling in and figuring that out in order to make decisions happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, uh, one of the, the methodologies that we teach within just, you know, the, 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 uh, consultants and coaches is we call it a pain for syntax. So it's like, we, we start the module and it's like, if there is no pain, there is no sale. Cause realistically like that's, it might, that might be kind of broad, but like, a lot of times that is the case. So the the analogy that we use is like when I'm on a sales call, I almost think of myself as um, I'm like walking around with a shovel and I'm what I'm trying to do is figure out, like find the gold, which is like the pain. So once I find the pain, I'm taking the shovel and I'm digging and I'm digging into the pain and figure out, let's say, you know, I'll say like, okay, so what's the biggest thing that's holding you back in your business right now? And they'll say, well, we're not really getting enough leads. And I'd say, okay, gotcha. And now in my head, I'm like, okay, their pain point is that they don't have enough leads, but I need to get to the root cause of whatever that is. So the first question is like a lot of like newer salespeople or salespeople in general, they'll say, okay, you don't have like, you don't have enough leads. And then they'll look at those script and they'll go to the next question. Right. But what I'm going to do is they're going to say, okay, I don't have enough leads. I'd say, okay, gotcha. Um, you know, what does that mean specifically to you? Or like, where are you currently getting your leads? And they'd say, oh, well, we're getting them from word of mouth and Facebook ads. Okay, gotcha. So Facebook ads, how much are you spending currently per month? And how many leads exactly did you get last month? And they'd say, well, we got this and this. Okay, cool. And what is like the average price point of your package? Like I can go like down and down and down. But what I'm trying to figure out is where is the actual pain? And what that always leads down to, like that question specifically, 
is I'm going to ask them the question of, okay, how many leads do you need to get to, to get to your goal? And what's going to happen if you don't get that amount of leads? Mm -hmm. And they're going to say, well, I'm probably not going to hit my goals. What's going to happen if you don't hit your goals? I'm probably not going to be able to you know, hit payroll. What happens if you don't hit payroll? I'm going to have people that leave. What's going to happen if people leave? And it's just like going down and down and down to the, the root of like, if they don't make a change of getting more leads, mm -hmm. I'm going to make the sale and like, you know, I'm not going to say their business is going to fail, but they're ultimately not going to hit the goal that they're looking to based on that one like top level question. And it's an interesting question. You know, are you getting enough leads or are you having something in the process causing your leads to no longer want to be associated and to engage with you? And so, you know, you could talk to some companies depending on their business size where, you know, maybe you do need thousands of leads in order to get, you know, to those sales results. Or if they're really qualified leads, maybe you only need a hundred leads instead of a thousand leads to get to yeah. those exact same results. And then where are you derailing them on the process? And how long is your actual um, closing time too? You know, how hungry was the person when you're talking to this lead? Do they actually want to buy right now? And they are they... You know, you work with Tony Robbins. So going back to Chet Holmes, who we used to work with, um, you know, is it, you know, is it one of the top 3% where they're ready to buy right now? Or has it been dialed back where it's a lower um, percentage and you're just waiting around and shouting into the stadium and hoping that someone's going to stick or not? Yeah. So there's so much that goes to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that really just comes down to, you know, the... uh of having the right frameworks of knowing the right questions to ask, right? Because, you know, we'll, we'll always start, you know, the pain for syntax, we'll start with that question. But then that always brings it into like, what does your current sales process look like? Right. And then, you know, if, if they, if they're aware, if they're problem aware that it is like their follow-up systems or like retention or, or attrition rate, whatever, right. They'll kind of understand that. Uh, but if they don't, it's like, that's kind of your job as a salesperson to like dig in and ask the right questions to then bring up the the right problem. Cause um, kind of like you said, like there's a lot of other things in there that could be the problem. And if you focus on the wrong problem, it probably won't stick towards the end of the sales call. Cause they don't understand that it's a problem. So and that's, that's the other tricky part of, of, you know, uh, being a salesperson is you have to kind of, you have to use your framework and your, and your scripts, but you also have to think on your toes and like, okay, where's the problem? And like, how can I find that as quickly as possible? And so you've gone through all of this, you, you've honed it in, you have figured out the pain point on both the entity who is trying to get the sale, you figured out your standard pain points on your potential customers as well. Um, where do sales teams tend to have hiccups? Like where along the pathway to this final close are they typically seeing the most um, die off if, for loss of lack of a better word, um, or lack of engagement. And I know on coaching businesses, you know, a big part of it is get the sale on the call, get the sale, maybe on a secondary call that you've passed someone off to that's now a tier two above you. So there, mm -hmm. there's a regimen, a regime, a regiment, I can't talk, but one of yeah. these things that <laughs> I everyone marches in the same line. Uh, there is a process in place that you have to actually figure out in order to have those things happen, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So just so I can rephrase the question. So you're asking, you know, within the, are you asking within the sales call or within like the sales process where people are usually falling off? In both. Like, is it the sales call that people are falling off? And I think, or is it the sales process typically? And mm -hmm. again, there's, I think there's 
coaching and calls are a little different of a sales than maybe an agency um, service type of business because you mm-hmm. usually are going to have um, higher personal pain points a lot of times in those coaching yeah. situations. And in the agency service business, um, you know, you have a pain point. You're still trying to decide if you're going to do anything about it. Um, but you might be looking at multiple solution partners for you. So it's a little yeah. different as far as that approach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there are differences, but I think a lot of it is the same in terms of like if we're looking, I'll, I'll explain them both. So with the sales call, because because they really tie tie into each other. So with the sales call, uh, if we're looking at the framework, uh, there's usually like five or six parts to a sales call, and that we talk about. So it's like you have the intro, which is rapport building. You have discovery, where you're asking all the questions. You have the transition, where you're transitioning from discovery into the pitch, uh, or the offer, and then you have the offer. And then you have objection handling towards the end. So really like five different spots. So if we're talking about where we have a lot of uh, kind of what you're talking about, if there's like drop off of them looking at other options or not really like actually like moving forward with it, whatever it is, um, a lot of times where that drop off is the position between the offer and the pitch. And one of the things that we taught, so the offer is basically saying like, okay, this is what we're going to do for you. We're going to do one, two, three. Here's what they are. Here's the benefit of those things. Here's the benefit of why, like the benefit, we call it the benefit of the benefit. Um, So we break all that stuff down. And then the transition is into the, like the price point and, and stuff like that, where people usually mess up. And this is like the solution to that is they don't get enough buy-in from the person and understanding that this is the right thing. And now is the right time. Right. And getting like a 10 out of 10 that this is the right thing. Now is the right time. Because if someone doesn't think it's the right thing for them, they're not going to buy. If they don't think it's the right time for them to do it, they're not going to buy. Right. That, that leads to then let me think about it. Let me go, you know, talk to someone else, whatever. Um, but if you can get them a 10 out of 10 with that, and the way that we do that is at the end of we go through the offer, we ask them, hey, so, you know, John, I'm going to ask you this. And this might seem kind of elementary, but, you know, on a scale from one to 10, how do you on a scale from one to 10? How uh, how do you feel that what we just talked about in in terms of the four step process um, Mm -hmm. is going to be the thing that helps you get to twenty thousand dollars a month to a hundred thousand dollars a month on a scale from one to ten, right? And they'll say, oh well, I feel and I've I've done like thousands of sales calls. I've never when I've asked that question, I'll never get a ten out of ten for the first one, right? There's always it's always a six or a seven or an eight or whatever, right? Um, And what that is is objections that you would have got. But when you transition the pitch, mm-hmm. right? The people where people usually do it wrong is they'll give them the price point. And what happens is they put themselves in a hole. Now, when you're handling objections, you're pulling yourself out of that hole because all they're hearing in the back of their head now is 5,000, 5,000, 5,000. Mm-hmm. So I ask them, where are you going to scale from one to 10? They'll say, I'm at a six. I'll say, okay, cool. What are the things that are holding you or that are uh, keeping you from being a 10 out of 10? And then We'll ju- and then they'll they'll use the things that they bring up are usually the objections, right? Well, I'm not exactly sure how this works, or you know, uh, I need a little bit more clarity about this, whatever. And then I kind of reel them back. We answer all the questions on that thing, and we say, okay, so this is going to sound redundant, John, but where are you now on a scale from one to ten? And usually they'll be you know back to like the nine spot, and then I'll say, okay, got you. Where's the last point slide? They'll usually say, well, I don't know how much this is, right? And then I would say, okay, so. Price aside, all that aside, you're a 10 out of 10 that this is the exact thing that's going to help you get from blank to blank. And they'll say yes. And at that point, you usually have the understanding from them and they understand that, okay, this is the thing for me. I want to move forward. That's the big mistake that people don't do is get the full buy-in from them and they just drop the price, they give it to them, and then they get a a million objections. Um, So that's within the sales call. Now, 
in the actual sales process, if you do what I said, right. And let's say there is, cause there is sometimes like actual logistical reasons why they do have to think about it. They, you know, have to talk to their spouse or they have to, you know, they just, they can't put money down for whatever reason is you always want to schedule a call on that call. So you say, Hey, totally understand. You got to think about it. You got to, you know, pray on it, whatever you got to do. Um, let's go and schedule a, you know, a call for tomorrow and we can, you know, think about it, talk to whoever, and we can, you know, we can, we can re, uh, you know, re-engage it and talk about it. At that moment, you might also get another objection because you're trying to schedule it now, as opposed to some people will say, well, uh, yeah, let's talk in like two months from now. Okay. It's like, no, let's talk tomorrow because you, I think you'll, we didn't talk that long today. You can probably figure out what you need. Um, that will usually get another objection. And then you schedule that call. So if you do those things right, a lot of times you won't have that drop off because you've already validated in their head that they want to do it. They understand that's the thing for them. They just have like little things they have to, um, you know, iron out. So that was kind of a long answer, but hopefully that uh, that makes sense. No, it does. And so how can people find out more about you? If they're like, ah, our team needs help. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a couple uh, for the sales team specifically, if you just search up uh, closers.io, um, that's going to bring to our main website where uh, my business partner, Cole, you'll see his face on there, has a couple of videos. Um, and then we also have just a remoteclosingacademy.com. And that just more for people that want to learn to get in sales. They're not necessarily in sales yet. Uh, maybe they're in like a nine to five they don't like, or, you know, they are, they know that sales is important and they want to jump into it and kind of learn more. That's going to be where they can find it there. Okay. And so do you have any last parting words of advice for all those people out there who are like, I just want to up my sales game? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the the biggest tip that I would say, and this is just uh, going back to, I make a lot of sports analogies, but um you know, I think a lot of salespeople, they'll just like do their sales calls and then they'll just like, oh, well, that didn't close. So like on to the next one. Um, uh, that's the, the analogy that I give is that's almost like if, you know, Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, whoever went and played a game. And then after they played the game, they just that's it. That's all they did. They didn't watch game tape. They didn't practice. They didn't work out. They didn't do any of that stuff. So um, I think it's really important for anyone that's doing sales calls, always record all of your sales calls, listen back to them. And you'd be really, really surprised on the amount of mistakes that you could even point out of yourself. Uh, some, I you know tend to do this sometimes too. It's like you almost like black out sometimes on sales calls and you're like saying stuff. You don't remember that you said it and you listen back and you're like, why did I even say that? So I think that'd be a big tip is just be be really, try to be self-aware on your sales calls, listen back to them and and continuously practice and because that's how you're going to get better. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you're spending your time and your knowledge. And I will say that if you are a company who has not figured out how to actually make sales happen, you probably don't have a very long footprint in business that you're going to exist. So to me, both sales and marketing are core essentials just as important as actually developing a good product or a good service. Um, so people such as Aaron are a really good resource to be able to dig in and figure out what you all could be doing a little bit better, perhaps. And so thank you, Aaron. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, have a great one. If by any chance you have interest in 
Finding a way to differentiate and stand out from your competitors. Reach out to my team at Hollywood Branded, and we can talk about how we can make you a star by becoming part of content like television and film and music videos through product placement and integrations and co-branded partnerships, which will make your brand shine like no other. Have a great one. Look forward to speaking with you soon. Take care.